What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. I do marketing things at The Juice. In today's conversation, we've got Jonathan back on the program after a long hiatus. We talk about field marketing, getting out in market, having conversations, and also build some momentum on a product launch that is coming from us in a couple weeks. Before we get into the conversation, I got to plug an event that we started to promote last week. I have had so many questions on the AI front, but I've been sitting on the sidelines as everyone has been taking sides. But then in April, digging into some data, three out of the top five highest performing pieces for marketers on the juice were AI related. And I said, you know what? Now is time to not only take a position, start creating and facilitating conversations around the generative AI front. And one of those topics that I'm the most curious about is how do we use this stuff and also maintain our brand voice along the way? So I've got three experts from leading brands on the AI front that are going to join me on stage for how to use AI without losing your brand voice on June 8th at one o'clock Eastern time. We will put a link in the show notes to register. I've got Hiba Amin from Head of Content at Copy AI, Elizabeth Irvine, VP of Marketing at Market Muse, and Felicia Newhouse, VP of Marketing at Aprimo. It is going to be a ton of fun. Again, that is on June 8th. Link is in the show notes. Without further ado, let's jump over to my conversation with Jonathan. All right. It has been a while. I have Jonathan back on the podcast today. We've been running some replays on Monday. I felt like we put all this time in to these events. Let's stream them on our podcast feed. Uh, I've been looking at the uh, numbers and there are a lot of people uh, tuning into those. So I hope you're enjoying those. Uh, But we are kind of returning to our old format here. Uh, Bring the CEO on, talk about all the crazy things that are going on in the B2B marketing world and the juice world specifically. And then hopefully you can pick something up from the chat. So we actually haven't talked in a few days because I have been uh, moving uh, homes, transitioning life, and we're all running a million miles an hour in different directions. But Jonathan, welcome back, man. How are you? I'm doing well, Brett. Thanks for having me. I love the drinking our own juice and redistributing some of our quality content. So I think that's really cool. We've been doing it the last week, last couple of weeks, but happy to be back in the saddle and talking all things B2B marketing with you. So to, this is going to be us setting the stage for a product launch that we will be having in a couple of weeks, I guess, when this goes live. Um, and that product is going to be revenue impact. And I learned from all the smart marketers that before you launch something, you might as well build some momentum and talk about it and hype it up. So we're going to start that process today. But before we get into the product itself and kind of what it does and the problem we're solving, I would love to talk a little bit about the juice on the road. So uh, we have been isolated in our home offices we get together and there there's some team meetings and people come to the office every now and again but the juice has not really been on the road up until this point but you this quarter have been out and about in the wild talking to marketers uh, more than you ever have before in the company existence so this looks like it's the early stages of field marketing at the juice but i wanted to talk a little bit about that up front so Maybe what, I guess from the top, what is that experience been like? What are you learning? Are you enjoying it? Anything you want to share? Yeah, I, so we closed around a fundraising, which I believe we've talked about on the podcast, you know, and 
we had a board meeting with new board members. And I think one of the, uh, we'll call it encouragements I received from the board and, and they're absolutely right was, you know, part of the advantage of being at the stage and size that we're at is that we can know all of our customers very, very personally. So like, let's go meet them if we haven't already. I've been a B2B marketer. I've ran the field marketing playbook. Uh, and, you know, so my mind immediately went to, well, how do we go meet customers, but also meet some prospects, maybe meet some investors and how do we, how do we do it most efficiently in a way that can have its biggest impact? So immediately started kind of mapping out where our customers are at, where industry events at, uh, where our prospects at and, you know, start booking trips, uh, even unsure of what was going on when we were booking those trips. So uh, it kind of takes just some courage and in a light sense of the word, I suppose, to just commit to it and then hope that you can figure it out along the way. And we've been figuring it out. It is interesting. Like I said, I, I ran the trade show circuit prior to COVID and I think everyone just got comfortable and uh, during COVID and working from home. And now there seems to be a little bit of an appetite for that to return, but feels like it's taking us all a little bit of recalibrating on what that means. I, I'll share a story. You know, We had a customer coming up for renewal. They're based out of Portland, so like, oh, I'm going to go to Portland and meet them. Well, it turns out their CEO's in Texas. And I was like, oh, I'll go to Texas. Well, it turns out our our budget holder was in San Francisco. And I was like, oh, I'm great. I'll go to San Francisco. Turns out our champion and our decision maker was in Kansas City. So I ended up in Kansas City. But like the, now that the entire world is remote, it's not as simple as going to somebody's office in quotes, if you uh, want to put it and meeting them, you know, in a conference room, it's, there's this bit of navigation that needs to happen as well as uh, not everyone's in an office environment, right? So if you're going to Toronto and you want to meet with a prospect or customer up there, a lot of times you're not showing up at their office, but you're actually needing to tempt them out of their house and out of their sweatpants with uh, value, right? So it has been, there's this a little bit of, like I said, just recalibration of what field marketing means. And, and I think honestly, a higher barrier to entry right now, but also we're seeing really good returns. And I know uh, I've talked to some of um, CEO peers that I have and, and marketing leader peers that I know, and they're seeing pretty great returns right now with field marketing as well. So it takes a little bit more effort, but I think so far that effort's uh, being rewarded. So I want to, maybe one more on the field marketing of it all. So uh, it sounds like the strategy is to identify customer, go visit customer, uh, meet with them, understand their use of the juice, successes, maybe any problems, you know, get that one-to-one, probably have some action items you take back to the digital office or environment and mm -hmm. then solution those and play them back, let them know before they renew. So they're like likelier to renew. So the, in that process too, right. You, you mentioned that you are meeting with prospects too, and there's a bunch of other things, like how are you maximize making sure, like what kind of work are you doing ahead of time to maximize each of those trips? So you're, go, you're not just getting on a plane to go out there to like meet with someone for 30 minutes and then, you know, spending on the hotel and spending on the flight and all those things. Yeah. So I have to give credit to the team. It's a lot of teamwork. Uh, it is like, it is not easy to do. And I, I'm happy, you know, if anybody's interested in like digging into this, I'm happy to kind of share a little bit more like uh, resources around our playbook. Brett might even be good for you and I to think about like publishing content on like our field marketing playbook. But uh, so we, if there's no event, right, we are going through our sales force going through our LinkedIn networks, going through our customer and prospect networks and just building a spreadsheet of here are all the contacts we know in 
this market, right? And then it's like, okay, who's a prospect? Who's a customer? Who's a potential investor? Okay, we've got four customers there. Let's do a customer dinner. And then let's go meet with prospects individually. Or maybe there's only one customer. Let's go meet with the customer individually and do a, try to do a dinner or something with prospects. So that's that's one, you know, again, pretty straightforward execution. And it, goes, it speaks a little bit to what I was saying previously about you have to make the dinner reservation and just say you're having a dinner with six people and, and let people know it's a thing even before anybody commits to it, right? Like you just have to have that belief and confidence in what you're doing and that it's all going to work out and, and it does. The other, I think, playbook that we're running that again is probably pretty traditional as most understand it is there's a event or a trade show conference that is kind of the anchor. So we're going to Austin for Forrester B2B Summit. I'm not attending the summit. We're not sponsoring the summit, but there are a lot of people that we want to meet in Austin for that week. So we're going to go down there, be around, see what happens. We've got a dinner reservation. Uh, we've got a few meetings booked and that's the goal, right? Is just to kind of be, don't try to bring people to you, but go where the people are, are already at. For that, you know, it's looking at the sponsor list. We don't get a registration list. So we, it takes an extra layer of, okay, these are the sponsors. Now, who do we know at the sponsors? And the third and final play I'll say is you get the registration list, right? Maybe it's an event you're sponsoring. Obviously, that's a pretty straightforward play. But even with that, we're not stopping at the registration list. We're saying, who else do we know in this market? And just trying to be as ambitious as possible. So I lied because I want to dig into one more thing on this. I'm, I'm envisioning a nice, trendy, a dimly lit uh, dinner spot. The you know first drinks come for the six marketers that are at the table. You're there having conversations. All of a sudden, like, you know, you place your orders and then all of a sudden there's just this organic flow of conversation between marketers that may be meeting each other for the first time. And what I've learned in the modern B2B marketing space is that as a brand, the more you intentionally facilitate conversations between marketers digitally the odds of good things happening for your brand or anything you're trying to accomplish really go up. Like marketers are looking for that glue to other marketers. And sometimes it takes a brand to have the initiative to bring those people together, whether it's for an event, whether it's just through a chat, anything like that is a strategy that I don't hear a lot of people talked about talking about, but I think works. Now I have not experienced that in 2023 in real life or in uh you know in a setter like setting like a dinner but is that something that you're seeing is like marketers getting together who might not know each other but then you know breaking bread if you will and they begin to share this is what's working this is what's not and like the juice is kind of just sitting there kind of as the brand that has made this happen you're exactly right. Two quick responses to that. One, none of our problems are unique as we all think they are. We all think we're the most unique butterfly in the world. And then you sit down with somebody in your role at a different company and you realize, oh shit, we're, we're facing the same problem here. Like we're, we're not unique. And that's, I think that's cathartic for a lot of people. And like a lot of people appreciate that like empathy, right? So that's one thing I've seen happen. The other thing that's been interesting kind of to what you were saying is we had a dinner in Chicago and, uh, Two marketers were sitting to my left across the table from each other. The drinks, first order of drinks had just come. They were mint tea juleps at Rosemary in Chicago. Highly recommend it. But they had, they were like fans of each other digitally on LinkedIn. Specifically, they both followed each other, but they didn't know each other. And they were like fanboying with each other. And it was the first time they had ever connected. So 
they were in the same city, in the same industry, in the same space, fans of each other, but had never met in person. And the juice was able to facilitate that connection. And, you know, I, I think they're, they're buds now, right? Like they have that relationship that is not only good for the juice, but also good for them and their career. And that's, that's what building community is all about. I, you've heard me say it. I've, I've posted a few places about it, but I, I truly believe like breaking bread is maybe the best marketing strategy. There's just something to it that is different. I love it. And uh, this is a, a quarter of experiments for us. So it'll be fun to kind of dig in after the dust has settled. But the topic at hand, what I want to talk with you about in the main event of the conversation is the launch in a couple weeks, uh, June 15th of Revenue Impact powered by the Juice. I think I've got a lot of thoughts and I'm trying to like figure out a, a little bit where to start on this. Do I, do we want to go full throttle? Do we want to just like kind of, you know, peace out a little bit? Who knows where this conversation is going? But what I want to ask you up front is to me in seeing this for the first time, like seeing the demo for the first time uh, on a, some team meeting, I had this moment where everything that we had been working on for the existence of this business all came together in kind of one dashboard view where I was like, this is it. And I think if we're able to communicate this correctly, this will resonate with a lot of marketers who might have struggled in the past to justify the work they have done up front on their content. So with all that being said, I'd love to maybe understand from you, like revenue impact, like what, what do you think the, what is the problem that you believe the juice is solving by letting this be a thing in the B2B marketing universe? I would love to sit here and say, finally, we're executing, delivering <laughs> on the vision we always had. And here is here it is. It's revenue impact. Unfortunately, that's well, I mean, fortunately, but that's not what I can tell you. I can actually tell you that this is kind of counterintuitive to what we built the juice on. Brett, I mean, you will recall in the early days, we felt like part of what r- was wrong with B2B content was that it had become overly transactional and maybe like overly attribution focused, right? Like all anybody cared about was getting the email, getting the lead, cost per lead, cost per click, cost per impression, all those things. And so we very, very intentionally kind of shunned that that space and that world from our brand, from what we were building. We would have ended up here eventually, I know, but it wasn't a priority in the early days to connect what was happening on the juice to revenue which kind of sounds crazy now, but what happened was the, the market changed, right? And so I, I think, you know, very like in the weeds, very tactically, a lot of what we're solving for right now is as marketing budgets have been cut, as marketing teams have been cut, as marketing roles have been cut, there's more pressure than ever being put on marketers to prove the value, to prove the ROI of what they do in dollar figures. I think two years ago, you could have gone out and asked a content marketer, what does success look like for you? Uh, what goals do you have? Well, it's publishing 12 posts per quarter, or it's publishing once per week, or it's 100,000 views on our content, or X number of impressions. A, a lot, if not all of that, has gone away very recently with the, the market demands, right? And so there's a lot of people who, A, aren't properly trained on how to measure the impact of their content, or B, don't have any experience doing it. And now they're being forced to justify their work and very unfortunately, in some instances, their role with ROI. So we started to hear that repeatedly, right? Like 
we used to care about leads. We used to care about impressions, but now all we care about is the dollar output, right? So we started looking around. We said, well, wait a second. We integrate into people's CRMs. Uh, we can actually do that. And we're very fortunate. Chris, our product and engineering leader, has some experience in CRM integrations. Uh, and he really pushed us very quickly in that direction. And so really, you know, I'd love to say like this was our idea and what we believed was our vision, but really the, the market demanded this. And it, it's really what we heard from customers, what we heard from prospects. It's what people have been asking for is, can you tell me how much revenue, literal revenue, my content on the juice has sourced and influenced uh, in both closed one new business as well as pipeline? It's really powerful, but I think it's what the market is dictating. So I think uh, my early, early observations are from what I've seen is that we as marketers are storytellers. Most people think about the storytelling externally, but I think what's just as important, if not more important, is the internal storytelling and having access to uh, real data that is helps tell the story of the content that we decided to create an actual pipeline that is being influenced or sourced and things that salespeople are creating in their system of record based on our content, like connecting the dots between that, like provides the marketer with a an arsenal to go down for any stories that they need to share in order to justify their content program, one, and then two, like doubling down in further investment in that content program. So that's been my like, wow, this is super powerful. I'm curious just on the customer side, I know you and Kat have been closer to it than probably most. Um, and I know Chris has been involved on the integration side too, but maybe like what, what are you hearing from customers that are currently connected and using Revenue Impact? I think there's uh, some reverse engineering happening all of a sudden where, and we felt this with ourselves, right? Like, oh, we thought, um, I don't know if this is exactly what the case is. We thought this customer came from an event, right? Well, it turns out they actually engaged with a piece of content on the juice a week before they registered for the event. So the event played a huge role in it, right? But like the first actual first touch was content on our platform, right? And we've seen that play out with our customers as well. I think we've even had some calls where the sales and marketing team are on the call together. And it's, I think, been starts with the sales team being pretty challenging. The marketing team shows them data, and then there's some eye opening and some eyebrow raising. Um, so I think it's kind of like undoing some of that tension between sales and marketing and just showing the data, but then also some of that reverse engineering of, oh, we thought this was a website lead. We thought this was a field marketing lead, but turns out they actually were engaging with our content ahead of all of that. And it led uh, the equation for them becoming a customer. I love that. I was talking with a demand gen marketer. I'll actually call him out. They'll be, if you're listening to this, be on the lookout for an episode from him coming soon. Uh, Sandeep John, he's the director of demand generation at Outplay. Uh, also give him this extra plug here, demand-based top 20 revenue marketer for 2023. Can't remember if this was pre-call or if it was the podcast, but I learned that as the head of demand generation, he is uh, in charge of digital marketing content, field marketing, product marketing, marketing operations, and the sales development team, which is a lot of responsibility. But I asked him, I said, okay, you're, you're, there are all these functions and all of these channels that you're responsible for in order to you know, drive demand for outplay, making sure that your salespeople are busy, happy with really good pipelines. Based on all of this, like, what is the number one thing you are looking to invest more time and energy on this year? And his response, he didn't even think about it. He just said content. 
that kind of shook me for a, a little bit because you've got the leader of a, a demand generation team that is you know, very established in India, has a U.S. presence, but is looking to grow that U.S. presence. And his first comment to me was, we need to invest more in content because it's, we're finding out it's working. And I thought about that and I was processing that. And I, I thought to myself, well, what if someone who's in a demand generation role who is content focused had access to revenue impact my guess and my thoughts were it would fold right into his existing reporting and process and likely help justify some of that investment that he's making. So I say all that to tell you, share that story with you, but also just to think that it's a really exciting time because I think something like this has the potential to bring the demand gen marketer closer or the revenue marketer or the performance marketer, whatever you want to call them, closer together with the content team. And we always hear, you know, brand drives demand, like seeing this play out in real time um, could be something that is really, really powerful. Yeah. I mean, and it makes total sense, right? I think sometimes we we talk about content as a role, and as a function, which it is, but as you rattled off all the different uh, um, disciplines that he manages, which is part of the challenge of marketing, right? Is that there are so many disciplines of it, but the one thing that is uh, ubiquitous across all of those things is content, right? Sales dev needs content, product marketing needs content, demand gen needs content, digital needs content. Like, and so I, I think the marketers who are doubling down on content right now uh, are really, really smart. And who would you say, maybe like profile type or current situation, like who would you say, or what type of company would you say that this product and smarter distribution on the juice would be like, an ideal fit for right now? Yeah, I think um, I'm talking to one of them later this afternoon, actually full circle. He's one of the people I was talking about at the event in Chicago. We're meeting this afternoon and they're like, they're they're producing a ton of content. They're investing into content, but like what it results in is all kind of a mystery. And so they just like, they are making decisions based solely off of gut instinct. And they, you know, I you don't necessarily have to have budget to invest like a huge budget to invest against this but they they it turns out they do they've got big budget for marketing and but they're just like making anecdotal decisions or gut instinct decisions and then like not knowing what the output is so i think brands who are already investing in the content like make sure you're investing into things that will help you make smarter investments into the future. And I think that's what we ultimately do, just as you you spoke to earlier. We're, we're going to show you the results and that can help you refine your content strategy into the future and get more results from that content in the future. I, I feel like we always do a really good job of, uh, or actually, well, listen to me patting ourselves on the back here, but we try to use this show as an opportunity to like let you all in on the inside of like how a B2B Mar- MarTech company is thinking about, you know, messaging, positioning, creating new product. And this is like a peek really behind the curtain. And so I was having a conversation with Kate about this today. And we were talking about like, you know, when we launch this thing, like who, what are the types of companies we want to reach out to? Like, what is our message? What's our strategy? And the takeaway was like, we've got a bunch of ideas. Let's both just like take some time, sit down and think about the planning. The one thing we both came to the agreement on was that this is a really good opportunity to attack a old school marketing tactic that we have maybe kicked dirt on, but never really 
aggressively went to market and saying like, this stuff sucks, like go check out the juice. And I don't know, to me, it seems like a good opportunity for us to kind of take a shot at content syndication and uh, the investment that goes into content syndication and question what are the results and what is the visibility you're getting from investing in content syndication. So I, that's something that we're thinking through now and maybe we'll be a part of this go-to-market. But as I say that, do you have any reaction based on customers you've talked to, knowing that this, knowing what you know about this product, knowing what you know about content syndication? What I know about content syndication is that it's awful and it sucks. Um, and I think that uh, opinion is pretty much shared by all marketers, right? And I spoke to this a little bit earlier. You know, when you are paying, when you're running a content syndication program, you're paying cost per lead, cost per click, cost per impression. One of those, some combination of those, it's great to throw numbers up on a slide. Then you inevitably pass that data to your sales team as you get the CSV ends up not being high quality and it actually diminishes trust amongst the sales and marketing team as opposed to building trust. And then that becomes a problem into the future. So I think it actually has long-term negative consequences. What we talked about earlier is that, you know, I think this data, we've seen that happen on calls. It actually like relieves tension between sales and marketing teams. It's ongoing. It's not transactional. Uh, it is just taking your existing work and getting it in front of the right audience and proving the ROI of it. And that's a uh, breath of fresh air to everybody involved, I think. We will be talking about this more, surely. Um, there's a little bit of a sneak preview of what's ahead. If you are interested, pre-launch in learning more, direct message Jonathan on LinkedIn. I'm sure he would love to have that conversation with you and share some insights on how other marketers are currently using Revenue Impact. Jonathan, welcome back. This was a lot of fun. We got to talk smack a little bit on content syndication. It will not be the last time. Glad to hear you're on board. Love it. Thanks, Brett. Yep. Talk to you soon. I always enjoy giving you all an inside look on what's going on at The Juice. We have these conversations and I hadn't talked to Jonathan in quite some time. I was moving houses, he was traveling and sometimes you're hearing what we're talking about just like we would be having a conversation in a one-on-one. -on -one. Hopefully you enjoyed that one. Until then, take care of yourself, take care of others around you and Modern Day Marketer will be back on Friday with another one.